Hello and welcome to Surveyor Says, the podcast from the National Society of Professional Surveyors. Each week, we bring you fascinating guests that are involved in the profession of surveying. We cover a lot of ground, including table lay talk with Gary Kent, point of order with the NSPS Joint Government Affairs Team, future focus, highlighting current and future leaders of the profession, and everything survey-related in between. Thanks for joining us here on the podcast and hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of Surveyor Says. Welcome, everyone. This is Kurt Sumner, host for Surveyor Says, the podcast series for NSPS. Thank you for joining us again. Today, my guest is Jared Wilson, who I won't try to uh, exactly say what your position is, but he he's a he's an instructor at least at East Tennessee State University, um, which I'm I'm on the advisory team. I'm not active as I should be. In earlier years, I was able to get down to more meetings, and we just had one recently over uh, the internet, which was was easier to do, but. I don't know, Jared, if unique is a right word or not um, for the program from the perspective of the arrangements with students from surrounding states. I know there's a lot of distance learning going on now. Your Great Basin's doing a good job what they're doing, and they're totally distance. And um, University of Maine, a lot of other programs. I, I don't want to leave anybody out. Another, a lot of other programs are starting to do that. Um, you guys have been doing it for a while, and yes. and I'm assuming that's somewhat associated to the fact that you do have students from surrounding states that just maybe makes it easier for them. Exactly. It, that's that's the that was the goal was to have the working students. Uh, availability and access you know to the land surveying education now what what i've been finding is now i've had more conversations with potential students who are thinking i, I want a career change yeah i want to do something different and there uh, i had a conversation about an hour yesterday with with a student with a potential student and he's a he's a cook and he wants to, you know, come into the program and you know see what he's doing. And he already has a you know one degree. And I'm uh, speaking with him, and he goes, "So it's probably going to be better for me to work with a surveyor, uh, with the for, for the lab components, even though all our lecture components are offered at at a distance. We still want to try to maintain that uh, technical, you know, hands-on component as well. And, and I told him kind of the, the ways that we do things, and that's that's going to be the key, in uh, in my opinion, if the profession wants to maintain you know the, the high integrity of the education and that technical expertise is we're going to have to have a lot of the you know companies uh, jump in and allow you know students which they do i mean that, that's one thing that i have to you know give a shout out to the you know surveyors in the profession that whenever a student does work for them they are helping them out but that's that's the challenge is how can we have students get the you know technical hands-on experience so whenever they go out in the workforce they can set up a total station they know what how to run a level loop uh, some of the basics but you know as far as just the straight up education to pass the fs and in theory you wouldn't have to have any of the technical you know 
hands-on experience, which in my opinion probably would diminish the education of the you know surveying programs. Yeah, I can understand that because it it, it does make sense to be sort of a uh, on-the-job trainer or on-the-job student, so to speak, where exactly. you're you're not only getting the coursework that you need, but you're also getting that practical experience every day and get a sense of, you know, what's all this leading to that I'm studying about. Um, exactly. It's got to be helpful from that perspective, I would think. And um, I don't know what the statistics are out there, and maybe there aren't any that are captured anywhere, but uh, I am curious about the people who are coming to schools sort of after the fact. Uh, people have heard me say this so much they're tired of hearing me saying it, but that's kind of what I did. I worked for three years on a DOT survey crew before I went to college, and, and I didn't have the option to do it distance learning back in those days. But I have to believe there's a, a number of people out there that are are working in surveying. But as you pointed out uh, when you said the guy was a cook, people are doing other things too that want to go. Exactly. Uh, I, I was not expecting that. You know, that. <laughs> I was expecting him to be, uh, oh, maybe a environmental engineer, a geoscience major, something. But he goes, no, uh, I'm a cook. And his degree was in nothing related. Uh, it, it wasn't even in a, you know, a, a STEM you know, program. And I'm like, wow. And he goes, it's just something that, you know, interests me because I kind of want to, he goes, I kind of have an artistic flair, but I dabble in cartography. And he goes, uh, I just kind of looking it up. And he goes, it just popped in my, you know, it just popped up on my screen one day on you know, land surveying. And I'm like, wow. <clears throat> and, uh, and he was really excited about it, but he wanted to not lose that artistic flair. And I, and I told him about one of my uh, <clears throat> friends up in West Virginia. Uh, he did, primarily does boundary surveys and uh, his name is Bill Mosser and he's a you know great boundary surveyor and every one of his plats is I told him is, is unique in itself because it's kind of like it, the survey itself dictates the I'm going to say the artistic uh, expression of the plat and it, it's, it's not a canned uh, you know, title block is not a generic kind of thing. And, and he puts honestly the mood of the survey in the plat. And whenever I was speaking with this, you know, you know, not a young man. I mean, he's as old as I am, which is not very old. But anyway, uh, he was really excited about that. And he was really you know, wanting to kind of you know, gather that as much information as he could in the time that he had me for uh, to maybe you'll think about coming in. <clears throat> and a lot of the uh, students at my distance students uh, or even my in my on-site students as well uh, typically they kind of know somebody who's a surveyor they have a family a friend family member something like that who you know kind of got them into surveying but uh, sometimes you, you it's just it's almost one of these things that now people are looking for a career that can provide them with a mix of you know, I, I'm inside, I'm outside, uh, uh, I, I can, you know, start my own business, <clears throat> I can, you know, play with a lot of, uh, and of course, whenever we say, you know, play, we, we do play with high-tech toys, but it's one of those things I can utilize a lot of different tools to, you know, solve the problem. I'm not just stuck behind a desk day in, day out, day in, day out, and that's what this young, you know, this guy was finding was, it's just, you know, a monotonous 
kind of thing. And that's why other you know people when they've come to me, they're like, I mean, even in some of the uh, you know, engineering uh, fields, are like, I, I can't just sit behind a desk, you know, all day long. I mean, I, I want some diversity, and uh, surveying offers that diversity. You know, we we can we have a, a good mix, and we have an excellent profession. That's true. And as as you were talking about that, I made a note to myself that that's another avenue that we collectively as a profession. Um, should really be thinking about is looking for those types of students. You know, we're always recruiting to high schools or all the places we feel we need to be, but there's that other group of people out there that yep. we haven't we haven't reached necessarily yet. We haven't really even tried to reach them. They just sort of come to us by accident, I guess, or or through the you know yeah exactly artistic thing. I I think all of us that had lived through the time when we actually drew our plats. Mm -hmm. Get that whole artistic thing. You know, it's like, I, yeah. I can remember so vividly going to the local courthouses when I first got into surveying back in southwestern Virginia and uh, going to the courthouse and looking up plats. And you could look at it before you ever knew who did it and tell who did it. Yeah, because everybody had had their own style, you know, and, yeah. and people had these flowery um, uh, North Arrow things. And, oh, yeah. Know, all kinds of cool stuff. And awesome obviously stuff. in West Virginia, you saw that as well. And, oh, absolutely. And, and speaking of West Virginia, uh, the audience may not know that that you actually were over there teaching for a while yeah. or now. Nine years. Yep. Yeah. And. I, and again, kind of going on this artistic uh, kind of you know bit of it. I remember one of my first uh, again. I'm going. I'm falling rabbit hole here. But my one of my first times ever, you know, drafting by hand, you know, in a you know live you know work setting. Uh, we had this mylar plat. <clears throat> the boss brings it to me, and he sets it down. And again, usually we, we we would get a CAD file. We would you know mess with the CAD file. But again, we did. We were not able to get a CAD file. We had a mylar plat, and he sets it on my desk. And he goes, look. He goes, you need to, you know, we need to fix this, 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 and this. And, and I'm like, how am I? I mean, I said, what do you want me to do? Just strike through it. And, and he goes, no, no, you need to erase it. And I'm like, with what? I'm like, this is ink. <laughs> and, and, and he hands me this, you know, um, this uh, mechanical electric contraption of an eraser. He goes, here, this is what you do. I'm like, all right. Well, he didn't tell me how to use it. I figured, heck, I'd just plug it in and go for it. <laughs> That's what I did. I plugged it in, and guess what? I burned a whole plum through the mylar. Oh, yeah, right away. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, well, this ain't going to work out too well. I went back. I'm like, Ed. I'm like, look what I did. Well, Ed was a good, Ed, Ed was a pretty good guy. He he kind of gave me a good chewing, but other than that, he goes, look, you got to go kind of gently here. I'm like, well, no, I've never used one of these before. But it's pretty fun, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, and I'm sitting here thinking as we're having this conversation, probably some of the people that are going to listen to this are going to think, what the heck are they talking about? <laughs> yeah, it may be. Just, yeah, but I'll tell you, that plastic burned through real quick. Yeah. So with your your cooperative agreement, how many states are involved in that? In the academic common market or just with yeah, the, the one for students coming in, uh, like somebody from Virginia coming to the school or somebody from Kentucky or whatever? Well, the way that tuition or how, how does that work? 
the students themselves can go to the academic common market and look at you know the potential program that they want uh, so every state may not be listed on the academic common markets webpage, but if a program is not offered in their state, I mean, then they do have the ability to apply, uh, for the academic common market. So, you know, and, and, and that I would recommend that students look to see if there's anything in their state that is offered in the, you know, uh, land surveying program, you know, field. And this is where it kind of gets a little, really diverse <coughs> is, there's a lot of programs out there that may have the potential to look like land surveying program, but in, in essence they're not. And this is you know, one I, I kind of revert back to the guy I was talking with yesterday. Uh, he was looking at, I think he said three or four different schools and they had, you know, GIS and uh, they had geosciences. And I'm like, well, that, I said, those are all great programs. Uh, I'm like, but it's not land surveying. Uh, I'm like, you're still going to have us if you want, want to become a land surveyor in, you know, Tennessee or you know, North Carolina, you know, some of these states, you know, you're going to have to have that degree. And, and that's where I would, you know, I told him, I said, now this, you know, our degree at ETSU, you know, we're, we're, we're a better credit, just went through our accreditation cycle. And uh, for the most part, you know, with the entire you know, U.S., you know, would satisfy the state requirements. Uh, I'm like, with the other ones, you're going to have to, one, you'll look to see and probably submit your stuff to, you know, the different licensing boards to see if they're going to accept that and what you may have to do additionally. Uh, but that's whenever I would I always direct, you know, the students to look at the academic common market and see if they're eligible for that. Uh, it's kind of like speaking for a state board. I'm not going to speak for a state board and say that our degree will, you know, that they will accept our degree. But, you know, being a, you know, four year, a better credited program, uh, that is the, you know, the standard, you know, for the education. So they they typically do accept those. But that's what I always try to do is I don't speak for the academic common market. And I don't speak for any state boards. Uh, I direct the students to those individual entities and then they can look. But uh, I know we have Tennessee, Kentucky, Virginia, North Carolina, which again, surrounding counties in North Carolina, because I know there's a program in, in North Carolina uh, that's a really good too, NCA&T. But we do have students for all those surrounding areas. Yeah, and you're, it's kind of interesting where you're located. Just mm -hmm. because all those states are a stone's throw away, pretty much. Exactly. I mean, an hour, an hour and a half, and you're right there. Yeah. Yep. And which uh, I'm going to kind of hop back to one of the questions, how we deal with the the, the distance learning lab components. Uh, this you know, gentleman, he was around, he was from one of these surrounding uh, towns, you know, states. It was really close. And I told him, I said, look, I said, if you can't find a surveyor and you are within, again, that stone's throw of ETSU, I said, I have had a student come up from South Carolina and we have a lab day. I mean, we, we, I personally scheduled a day with him. It was a Saturday to be with him you know, on site uh, in the lab setting. And we just worked that entire day getting those labs done. So uh, there are, I, I'm going to say, thoughts, processes, and the works for, you know, students in the semester uh, to have them be able to satisfy, even if they're not working for a surveyor. That would be the ideal situation. But with them, with the ability of uh, them being a stone's throw away, we can schedule something up and be like, all right, we're going to, you know, meet this day on, on you know, two times a semester uh, for a laboratory, you know, for a lab boot camp. Uh, you drive up, we start at eight, we end at six, 
you know, and the story, and we you know knock out as, as much as we can uh, with the field work you know in that day. So, but yeah, it's pretty fun. I know one of the things I was impressed with when I first got involved with with the advisory group was at that time, and maybe still true, um, there were a number of former students who were in the general area who were mm-hmm. part of that that group, and they brought oh, yeah. so much enthusiasm to to being part of it. Oh yeah, we uh, we have a, I know there's. Yeah, we have quite a few uh, students on the advisory committee, and that's one thing I would like to have more, you know, uh, students, you know, from the program on the advisory committee. And not saying that our our advisory committee is very engaged uh, and you know, very good advisory committee, but the more I'm gonna say opinions and the more, you know, well, then you get into that inverse square law in in a committee setting. But whenever you have as much knowledge and different differing views and opinions being looked at a potential problem, then then at that point in time, many of the almost all the variables are laid out on the table then to be able to solve that problem. And if you're thinking from it from a logical standpoint, you know you have to have every variable, you know, of the problem of the equation to solve it. So with that many people and again having people from uh more you know from the program itself seeing the problems that have happened in the past and then having you know external uh entities you know, you know people who have not been affiliated with the program except from an advisory capacity looking at it then all those variables come to play and a solution generally is going to be for the best you know interest of the students yeah i would agree with that too and, and i know um there's several virginia guys you know we don't have a uh a program in in state anymore, uh, and and I know the Virginia Association supports the program pretty strongly, mm-hmm. and through their yes, scholarship sir. program or what have you. But I'm always um, I don't know what the right term is, just but it's interesting the enthusiasm that that the guys the Virginia guys seem to have, and boy they are really you know we just had that meeting the other night and uh, they're really into it for sure. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah, they. Uh, that's an understatement, and and that's one of the things that. Well, it's it's true. I mean, yeah, we have you know Steve Dowdy and Dave Ingram. I mean, I'm telling you, those two guys right there. I mean, they are, you know, I mean, they're great. It, and just the uh, the sheer bluntness of of Steve, I have to appreciate. I appreciate and love that, and just the the support that Virginia gives us is. It's amazing, uh, and and we can't you know think uh, well, again our our supporters enough because you know right now with you know COVID, and I'm I won't get into the whole COVID thing, but it has put such a you know burden on all programs, yeah, and just the support that we have now you know, from these, you know, from the entire advisory committee. And then I, I run a question by the uh, committee on Monday uh, because, you know, we spent, uh, you know, Jen, uh, Professor Hong and myself, and then Mary uh, Young and uh, Jerry Taylor, we, you know, spent the last, I'm going to say almost year and a half, you know, it'd be two years in the fall, you know, looking at our curriculum and how we want to proceed, you know, with, uh, changes to, you know, better benefit, you know, the 
distance students, the students period, period students, but how we can facilitate things, make it a little bit more, I may, I may say user friendly. Uh, and in doing so, uh, it was with COVID, it was like, look, we can't implement this uh, because it is going to uh, do things that, I mean, all one's going to be great for the program, but not maybe as beneficial, especially with all the freezes on hiring and things like that. And so when I ran this by the committee, they're like, look, just, just hold off, you know, weather it out, you know, we got you. And then once things kind of, you know, build back up, uh, when things open up, then we can you know, hit it back up. And I'm like, that, that's great. And that, that's the type of support uh, that the committee gives is because, look, we want to have a program. We want enrollment to grow. Uh, but in doing things, we, we have to also help facilitate, you know, the learning process for students. And some of the, I mean, the changes were going to be, you know, I, all of us thought were going to be like, great, it's going to help you know, increase enrollment. So now it's kind of like, well, we can't have that unveiling of a super, you know, new curriculum and super new program idea. Uh, so we're going to have to weather the storm you know, with this COVID. And that's where, you know, I mean, all, all the committee members were like, yep, no, this is, well, I can't say all, all who are present. Like, no, just, just hold, hold tight, you know, just, you know, keep the ship straight. And uh, once things open up, you know, we'll, you know, revisit that. But uh, and that's you know that's a, that is the support that you know we need and and, and we have, and uh, that's one thing that makes our I, mean, I think our program one of the strongest programs is uh, this from support that you know we continually get from the profession, from industry, and from our, our advisory committee, and you know from the administration, their institution right now. And I would suspect when you have interaction dialogue with your counterparts in other programs across the country. Um, I'm sure you're probably hearing some of the same kind of stuff from them too. Mm-hmm. It is it is very difficult uh, right now for them, uh, but it's a little bit enrollments down across the board, and that that's the big one. Uh, is whenever enrollment goes down, uh, people start looking at well, is there a need for this? Well, of course there's a need for it. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's that's that's non non questionable. But now that, that's from my end as a you know professional surveyor, I mean, and as an instructor, that no, I mean this you know land surveying you, we need it. Uh, I don't care whether it be uh, any program, we need that type of you know skill set in our society. So now students or potential students, one, I mean, I know I, I had one. He come to me. And he goes, hey, Wills, this is he was enrolled in, in the spring. And he goes, man, I'm, I'm sorry I haven't been here. He goes, you know, uh, but he goes, I had to go to work. He goes, you know, you know, my, my dad got laid off. Uh, my mom got laid off. And he goes, I had to go, go get a job. And I'm like, well, I said, can you get some stuff done for me? And he goes, I think so. And, oh, and plus, he just got married. You know, and uh, so it's like, yeah, I, I can get you hooked up. I said, you know. But that's what we're facing right now is students, they may have to work. And so whenever we have a low enrollment and they, they look at numbers, uh, you know, right now, I think our uh, enrollment as like, like I forget what date it was, May 20th, perhaps, uh, on the advisory committee. When I looked at that, it was like, you know, 33 
you know, full-time enrollees, which is kind of low. Uh, but then again, we uh, look at the people who want to come in, they may be holding off a little bit. And that's, you know, right now, I would encourage people. It's like, if you want to think about going to school, you know, now's the time to do it. I mean, they might need a gentle push, a gentle nudge. And that's whenever I'm, 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 look, I'm thinking and looking at the potential of a student population base across all the you know, surveying programs uh, in the nation is if, if, if students, if people are working for firms and they're thinking about education or maybe wanting to do it, now's the time to do it. Uh, I mean, because one, we were deemed an essential service. You know, when it was like, you know, some of the gentlemen uh, on the on the advisory committee, they're working, they're busy. I mean, some of the survey, you know, the two of the gentlemen that I know of, uh, they're in, in Johnson City. They weren't able to be on here, but they're busy. And I said, guys, you know, let's hit this up. You know, let's let's do this. And that's what I'm finding is that now programs are faced with. Well, your enrollment's low. Yeah, it is, but everybody's is low. And so whenever you have, you know, again, the business side of education looking at, well, what, you know, who's growing, who's not growing, well, what are we going to cut? You know, and that one, that's the biggest thing is, you know, you, you can't, if a program's not eating resources, which again, we're pretty frugal, then they look at, uh, the, 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 the main focus is, oh, well, how much are we, you know, paying for, you know, the, how I mean, how much is this program costing us with all the factors? Then they're going to look at that cost benefit analysis. And that's what a lot of programs are facing is we, it's just not, you know, I guess, you know, financially, you know, feasible right now, or if they're trying to find something to get rid of, a low enrollment program is going to be it. Yeah. That seems to be something that we see, everywhere all the time i mean it's almost like the programs are under constant scrutiny it's not like you you know it's not like you get over a hump and you're good it's almost like it's constant uh -uh. all the time and absolutely so absolutely standpoint with with the i don't know if common markets the right terminology or not with with the various states or whatever um that's one of the things that when i talk to people that are working in the colleges I'm always interested in the, in the recruitment side because, um, you know, what we try to do at NSPS and through the state societies, we try to help out whatever we can and, you know, go to school counselor places and all those kind of things. But um, yep. do you all have particular targets that you look at, uh, that you attend, or what? what's, a, what's the strategy for recruitment? Well, the – College of Business, Business and Technology. They have a uh, marketing and recruitment director, I guess you could say, and she does a wonderful job of you know getting a lot of information out uh, to, I guess, various entities. Now, from my standpoint, uh, my recruitment is more like a shotgun approach. Uh, I mean, or a or a blunderbust. I mean, I was gonna you know. Take it. I'm going to shoot at whatever targets I can hit. And in doing so now, historically in the past, I mean, the heaviest recruitment uh, efforts have been we go to the the uh, state conferences 
We speak with surveyors. Uh, we, we we take you know, uh, propaganda, and a, a lot of you know people you'll see that. And you know when we have booths available, and we're you know we're really hitting it up. But the I mean honestly, I mean I've I've talked to individuals at, at Texas Roadhouse. I've talked to my waiters. Uh, just in con general conversation, I'm I'm speaking with them, and it's like here, you know, call me, call me, and that's what I want to do, is have a conversation you know, with, with, with people. And I know that, uh, our, I mean, we have a faculty meeting today to discuss, you know, uh, how we want to recruit or target people who've shown interest in our program. And, you know, letters are going out and we you know, draft letters. Uh, but I think an email is really informal. Uh, I like email to be more just informational, like, Hey, we're going to meet at nine 30. Great. Cool. But I would much rather have a conversation with somebody and that's that's what I that's the blunderbust approach is I, I just want to get the not get the little seed of huh this sounds interesting you know to somebody and then call me you know go to the website which again the website again is very informal and I think it's you know on, honestly it, it's a great tool to have but it's kind of cold I mean I want students to talk to me potential students i mean i'd rather you know take and talk to you you know one-on-one -on -one, face to face answer your when i mean not face to face you know, at least six feet apart but you know have that phone conversation where you can hear me and hear my tone and hear my uh, the, the the passion for the program and you know for your education uh, and then those questions i mean because i can give you information all day long but that's my recruitment approach is I want to get information and paraphernalia and get you know propaganda out there just to get your interest. And then you speak with you know me, you speak with uh, uh, Professor Hong, you speak with Professor Taylor, and they're probably gonna you know all say the same thing. You know, you know talk to you know Jared or you know talk to our program advisor, you know, Aaron Coker, it's like here, but that's the that that's the way that we get you engaged, and that's the way that recruitment and following into retention is going to happen is that one you know that we care about you we care about your education we care about you as an individual uh and then that's going to be like well like, these guys are legit yeah we are and then you roll in you you come into the program and then you find that the program one is strong there's good information it's not easy it's hard but then again we also care i mean and and we and we understand that you know you have a life, you know, there is, you know, cause that's the, that's the landscape of education has changed over the past 30 years. I mean, it, it has changed drastically. And, you know, we, I mean, we, I'm too speaking as a, you know, uh, you know, collegiate level education need to realize that one, now you have people who are working. I mean, you have students, again, even graduating high school, uh, they may be working at Lowe's, Home Depot, Chick-fil-A, you know, wherever, and they have a job. They don't want to leave their job. They're making money. So, but they want to go to school too. I mean, they're like, I don't want to be, I don't, I don't want to be a, a, a work at Lowe's forever. I want to work at, uh, I want to, you know, have this type of career. Well, fine. We need to help facilitate that. And we can't just say, well, look, you got to quit, you know, your, you know, job and then come to school. No, that's not how recruitment's going to work. And that's how it used to be in the past. Uh, now it's like, okay, great. Well, we can work with this. But here, let's, let's guide you through this. And this is where that one-on-one -on -one conversation is going to happen. And that's how recruitment does happen. It's just getting the information and planting the seed of interest in and then having the, 
and then, and then being able to reach out and speak to those people. And I mean, speak, I mean, talk to them, you know, on the phone, on a zoom session, internet meeting, something, give them that, that tangible feel that they're, they're getting something. Yeah. I, I like that approach. I, as a matter of fact, I was going to ask you uh, earlier, I, I don't know these numbers for any schools, actually, but I'm, I'm just curious uh, overall, and of course yours would be an example, is, is there any, uh, inf- well, obviously there's information, but what I'm curious about is the number of people who are coming in directly from high school and then others are coming different paths like you were just describing. Um, and and I, I don't know if that gets down to the recruitment side or not, but I'm just curious about that in today's world, because, you know, at one time it's OK, you leave high school, you go to college. Well, I, I don't think that's happening as much now as it maybe did in the past. We're looking at about 60, 40. Honestly, uh, we, we have about 60 percent of our student base. And again, those numbers aren't exact, but 60 percent of our student base are the distance students. Uh, they're working for surveyors. Uh, they have had additional career. They are second degree students. Uh, about 40 percent are our, um, you know, maybe traditional. Well, see, some of them are non-traditional because they, they, they may have had a community college and got some stuff out of the way. But generally, uh, I would say that that 40 percent base is coming straight out of your high school, coming into the program. And. And then that's the thing is I honestly don't know where the disconnect is there. Uh, but honestly, I, I, I'll tell you the truth. Um, you know, me coming into the pro, to the profession and, and the program, I never, I did not know what a surveyor did. I didn't even know there was anything called a surveyor. I mean, you know, when we're talking about George Washington, I mean, heck, I was the first president. He was a general. Great. I didn't know he was a surveyor. Um, you know, I mean, Henry David Thoreau, I mean, you know, surveyor, it's like, cool, you know, Lincoln, great. You know, he was the, the you know, president, you know, during, you know, the Civil War, great, that's awesome. We learned that in history. Well, surveyor. Uh, so in, in my, you know, journey, it was a thing of, I mean, heck, I was going to go to another college and become a biology teacher. That was, you know, that was going to be my thing. And I mean, my dad just happened to look it up on, you know, ETSU because, again, I'm, I'm, just, I'm from Lee County, Virginia. And uh, he goes, hey, have you ever thought about applying to ETSU? And I'm like, nope. And he goes, well, why don't you just, just apply to ETSU and look at surveying? I'm like, what is surveying? And he goes, well, I don't really know either, but, you know, it is, it's, it's heavy in math and science. And I'm like, uh, okay, great. And then he, he kind of looked it up. I mean, I mean my you know, father, an educated man, he was a college mathematics professor. And so I looked it up. I'm like, all right, fine. I'll I'll apply. You know, this this what I want. This is what I would want to do if I went to ETSU. And it was a last minute thing. I said, yeah, fine. I go to ETSU. But no information, you know, from the high school about. I mean, the, the heaviest recruiters there were uh, the military. So and, and that's something. Those military guys. I mean, they they definitely recruited. But the colleges, you know, universities, it's just, you know, they just they had college days. They had, you know, uh, the admissions teams, you know, kind of pop up. And I don't know how to get information other than just go out and talk to them. But honestly, I think that, you know, kids and I know I'm talking, you know, 
you know, pre-high school graduates. So I'm talking about like high school kids, you know, we're talking, you know, nine through 12. Right. They're not really, th they're not, they're not thinking about college. I mean, they're, they're thinking about, you know, you know, Facebook or I don't know, Facebook, that, that one of them told me that's an old person's, you know, app now. Uh, they, they did. They did. I mean, uh, I'm you know, with the youth group at, at her church and they said, well, you know, Jerry, that, that, you know, that's a, you know, old old man app. I'm like, oh, great, thank you. Uh, but they're worried about how many, I guess, likes they're getting on their social media, and you know who they're gonna go to, I guess, prom with, and uh, even in even the seniors, uh, some of them are, you know, were concerned about their education, uh, but it was more from the parents' end. You know, push them. Okay, look, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do whenever you know you graduate in you know, and again, I did try to recruit. I, I did, but I lost them. Uh, but it, it's hard. And, and I'm trying to figure out how I think it's more of a mentality uh, now because uh, someone wanting to graduate high school. OK, I've been in school for you know all this time. I'm going to take a few years. And then and, and then I'll come back. Uh, and that that may be what what the plan is, but. Uh, I, I do know that the, you know, high school, graduating high school seniors you know, from my youth group, the reason that they're really going to college is because of their parents. Uh, the parents pushed them to, you know, look into things and they're like, no, you're going to school. Uh, so and, and that's honestly, I can you know say the same thing for my parents. They, you know, it was, nope, you're going to college or, you know, nope, you're going to the military. That was basically it. Right. Well, I appreciate you being with me today. We keep these things around 30 minutes, and but I just wanted to get some insight because um, I've talked to a lot of different people, and, and I've talked to people from a number of schools, and that's one of the cool things about my job. I get to travel around and visit with people all over the place, um, Yeah, and that, that suits me really well. I like doing that, um, but I just wanted to have that conversation because I know you're you're not unique in the, in the fact that you have arrangements with other states, but it's just sort of like this uh, little uh, hurricane sitting there in the middle of all those states, with, yep. reaching out to grab people from them and, and what have you. Uh, and I think it's a really good model, actually. And and like I said, geographically, you're well suited for that. Uh, yeah, we are. You are among, among all those states. So. But I really do appreciate you joining me today. And thank you for having me. Looking forward to continue being a part of the discussion. And I'm not much of an influence, but at least I can be there and, and be part of the discussion as the as the program progresses. And I'll uh, I'll let uh, Steve and David be the the main ones <laughs> <laughs> from Virginia. Hey, everybody that, so. offers good. Everybody has good good information, and that's that's the thing about it. Many hands make light work. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, I appreciate it, Jared. I hope you have a good weekend and uh, everything continues to go well. It, I'm sure it will. We are we are definitely blessed. Thank you. Sounds good. You've been listening to the Surveyor Says podcast, brought to you by the National Society of Professional Surveyors. If you have any questions about today's episode or any other topic please email us at info at nsps.us.com and we are here to help. Visit our website, nsps.us.com to learn more about our association, 
the programs we administer and support, our sustaining members, and information about future episodes of Surveyor Says. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, as well as our podcast host, Podbean. And remember, it's a great day to be a surveyor.